1: over on Fan Nation, and today we got a special episode of the Ducks Dish podcast coming at you. We are going to be doing a mailbag podcast, something I've been hoping to do for a while and and got some good questions from you guys, so going to hop on into those. But before we get into that, uh, I have one other kind of news topic I wanted to hit on, and then before we really dive into the show, just a a quick reminder for you guys to lock in with us on all our social media platforms. You can find me on Twitter at sports. And then you can find Ducks Digest on Twitter at Ducks Digest. We're also at Ducks Digest on Facebook as well as Instagram. And then you can follow the Ducks Dish podcast at Ducks Dish on Twitter. And then this podcast will also be on my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. If you guys are watching on YouTube, thanks so much for watching. Kindly do me a favor, smash that like button and hit the subscribe button. It's a tremendous help to what I'm doing covering the Oregon Ducks. All right, so the first topic of today's episode of the Dish podcast is four-star wide receiver Kyler Casper is ready to announce his college commitment. Casper is a very high-profile recruit here in the class of 2023, playing at Williamsfield High School in Gilbert, Arizona. He is an All-American wideout and is just about as good as they come 6 foot 5 195 pounds and would be a massive addition for Oregon. Let me go ahead and throw some highlights on the screen here so you guys can see what kind of a what kind of a wide receiver the Ducks are in the running to get. Um let's see what other what other notes can we pass along here with this upcoming announcement. Casper tweeted out today, Saturday, April 16th, that he's ready to make his announcement and he'll be announcing at 12 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. So that's about 11 o'clock a.m. for folks out here in either Eugene or West Coast, Pacific Standard Time, 11 a.m. So we don't know where he's going to be announcing it, but uh, probably fair to assume that it'd be on his social media profile. So make sure you guys go go follow him and, and that's probably where you can find that announcement. But back in February... Casper announced a top 10, which consisted of the following schools, Ohio State, Iowa, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Georgia, USC, Oregon, Arizona State, UCLA, and Miami. So let's just talk about kind of the latest that we know in this recruitment. Um, The biggest one being that Oregon did get him on campus multiple times since Dan Lane and the new staff took over. The most recent visit for Casper to Eugene came in March And uh, one of the times he came out to Eugene, he got to spend time with cornerback commit Cole Martin, who's also playing his high school football out in Arizona. He's originally from Pasadena, but still have those Arizona ties. And then let's look at the Oregon staff. The Oregon staff, this new staff, has a lot of connections in Arizona. You look at Kenny Dillingham, who's obviously from Arizona. So that's a big connection for the offensive coordinator. And then we also have Jordan Somerville, who has some Arizona connections as well. He's a QB analyst on this new staff. So that's something to be aware of. And then just look at how Oregon's done in the past couple cycles in the state of Arizona. Um, Johnny Johnson was someone who came from Arizona he's someone that you got to know about. And then Ty Thompson, the highest rated quarterback signee in the Oregon history. He's also from Arizona. You got Brandon Buckner, Jonah Miller. Uh, Who else am I missing here? Um, can't think off my head if it, off the top of my head about any other Arizona guys. Uh, I'm probably missing one or two, so apologies to those guys that I'm missing. But suffice it to say, Oregon's had some pretty good success in Arizona, and I think that that staff, this new staff, has realized that Arizona is an upcoming, up and coming hotbed, and it's one of those Western states that you have to take advantage of, and you've got to recruit nationally as well if you want to contend with the top teams in the country. So I think Oregon's in a great spot here for Casper, but there is obviously no shortage of elite competition, as you guys saw when I read off that top schools list. And the reason that I say the main threat for Oregon looks like it's going to be Tennessee right now. Why is that? It's because he, Casper that is just recently went out to Tennessee for a visit last weekend. And there were some pretty heavy hitters also on campus for Tennessee, the most Notable being quarterback commit Nico Iamaliava out of Long Beach Poly down in Southern California. He was the top quarterback target on Oregon's big board and then ended up committing to Tennessee. And then you also had high profile IMG wide receiver Carnell Tate, as well as Tennessee safety commit Jack Luttrell, who was on. Those guys were all on the visit uh, with Casper in Knoxville. So I think it, it says... As we've seen it a lot of times, right? We've seen these staffs get a lot of high profile guys on visits at the same time. And they use that to kind of parlay, get that momentum going, sell them on the vision of, Hey, you guys all want to play together, things like that. So I feel like it, it looks like Tennessee might have some of the momentum right now, but this one is, is looking like it's going to be pretty close. Also worth noting that Casper's father um, went to Iowa and was one of the best receivers that the Hawkeyes have ever seen. So you gotta you can't discount the uh, the father's alma mater there. Looks like this one's probably gonna come down to some combination of those three, Oregon, Iowa, and Tennessee. It feels like Oregon's building some momentum though, not necessarily just with Casper. Although those visits that I mentioned are always gonna help, but Oregon's building momentum because they just got Josh Connerly last week. Always helps your your profile, your recruiting profile to get a five-star offensive lineman, and then in 2023. The, the same class as Casper, defensive lineman Tevita, Tevita Pome'e, who's out of Utah, that this, this commitment from Casper could be just what they need. This, of course, leading up to the spring game next weekend, which is the marquee recruiting event of the year for the Ducks. Also, Saturday Night Live is another one to consider. So it feels like Oregon's building some momentum but at least from an optics standpoint, the fact that he's just coming off of this visit to Tennessee and then he's saying, okay, I'm ready to make my announcement. You can see why people would favor Tennessee. And then obviously having Nico on board is going to be a huge, huge piece of this equation. I think for Tennessee, it really helps, as you would expect, it helps any school to be able to sell, hey, look, look at this high profile who Tennessee believes is the best quarterback in the country. Look at this guy that could be throwing you passes, Right. So that's something that I think Oregon's going to have to battle a little bit on the recruiting trail until they get their quarterback. We all know how important that is in, a, in the recruiting dynamic. Jaden Rashada is is one of the biggest targets for them in that regard at the quarterback position. But Rashad, uh sorry, Casper is somebody that we're going to have to watch for as he makes his April commitment. Will it be Oregon? We'll have to stay tuned and see where he ends up going. All right, so that was the first news item that I just wanted to hit on here as we get underway here on the Ducks Dish podcast. The other portion of today's podcast is the mailbag. So we're going to go ahead, open up the mailbag. I put a tweet out on the Ducks Dish podcast Twitter asking for your guys' questions, primarily Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting. So thank you to everybody that asked questions and helped kind of guide this episode of the show. And we're going to get underway. What do you guys say? First question comes from Gerard Berry. Shout out to Gerard. He's a a longtime listener and supporter of the podcast. Thanks for your question. Gerard asks, should Oregon football return to crazy uniform combinations? At least more so than the last few years. When recruits talk about Oregon being a, quote, dream school, they often reference the uniforms that were, of course, scoring a lot of points. I think it helps a lot with recruiting. Yeah, I think for, for my answer to this one, I think I, I'm all for it. Although, in my opinion, I think that the, the uniforms have been pretty solid, especially last year. I thought in 2020, they were okay, except for the Ohana uniforms. Those were the highlight of the 2020 season for me. I thought those were great. 2019 were, were okay, but the Ohana uniforms are definitely, I think, qualifying worthy of the crazy uniform combination distinction. I think those have been an absolute hit. Recruits take photos in those on their visits all the time. You also have the eggshell uniforms that the Ducks rocked last year against UCLA when they went on the road to Pasadena and won that game on a big stage with college game day. They also had the Ohio State whiteout uniforms with the green wings and the white helmets. I thought those were super clean. And then the blackout uniform with Cal. So those were some of my favorites from last year. I don't know that you guys, maybe you can leave me a comment on the video. Do you think those are crazy enough as far as the uniform combinations go? But if I'm Oregon, I'm always going to be leaning into those crazy uniforms. People will say what they want about, oh, you have a million a million uniform combinations and no national championships. If if you're a Nike university, you're going to lean into that too. Like, why wouldn't you want to use that and use it to up your profile, especially if it's a, if it's, you know, a, a hit with these recruits. So I say I'm all for it. I'm excited to see what they have in store for next year. Maybe some, some breast cancer awareness special, some kind of a pink uniform could be cool. There, there looked like there might've been, a leak or two, uh, based on some of the recruiting photos that have come recently. I think that they got taken down though. Um, so I might've already said too much, but we're going to have to keep an eye out for new uniforms next year. I, on the topic of uniforms am all in support of making those, the pick retro throwbacks from the 2014 game against Washington, just make those like the full-time home uniforms. I love those uniforms. Those are probably my personal favorite, but we could spend a whole lot of time talking about, uh, you know, all-time uniform combinations for Oregon. You got the chrome helmets that really set the trend in college football. A lot of people were, were following Oregon's footsteps after that. So certainly, certainly something to watch for there. Gonna, gonna take a little sip of water here, just rolling solo today. So bear with me, folks. All right. Next question. I like that one. That was a, a cool way to start off the pod. Next question comes from Ross Maselech. Hopefully I said that right. Ross, thanks for the question. Sorry if I didn't say your name right. Ross's question is one that got asked a couple times, actually. Any confirmed visitors for the spring game? And then there was another question along the similar lines of, of those visiting, who do you think will be most likely to commit first? So let's talk about a couple of names that look like they're going to be making their way out to Eugene. First one is someone I already talked about a little bit when I was talking about Kyler Casper, Cole Martin. Oregon's 2023 cornerback commit looks like he's going to be making the trip out to Eugene. So that's great. You always want to have as many commits as you can on campus for any weekend, but particularly for the spring game, you got to make sure that you have some of those guys that are committed that can be those peer recruiters for you with the other recruits that are in town. One of the biggest names is uh, Jaden Wayne out of Lincoln High School in Tacoma. He reached out to me the other day and said he's going to be coming out to Oregon for the spring game and that dude's been traveling all over the country. He took recent visits out to Alabama, LSU, his hometown Washington, Georgia. That guy's got interest from everywhere and Oregon's going to have to fend off some of the best schools in the country. Named a couple of the SEC powers there. Not sure how many people would view LSU as a as an SEC power right now, but they are certainly a school that can recruit among the best with the best of them with Brian Kelly taking over there. So it makes sense to get Jaden Wayne back in town. That's big. Uh, Jaden Rashada is another guy that uh, looks like he's going to be coming out to Oregon for the spring game. Super, super. That might be the most important visitor for Oregon at the spring game, as you could understand, given the fact that Oregon needs to get they, the sooner that they can get a quarterback in the full. That's only going to help them a tremendous amount as far as recruiting some of these other guys that play on offense, whether it be running back, wide receiver, tight end, what have you. I think that if if the Rashada kind of strikes me as the kind of recruit that could be like a domino kind of a guy. we saw that with Ty Thompson. He committed in March of 2021, or sorry, 20, was it 2021? It was 2021. Yeah, sorry. It was, um, I know it was before everything got shut down. So that maybe it's March, 2020. You might have to fact check me on that. Apologies, but he committed in March and then the Ducks just took off with the rest of that 2021 class. That's probably what I'm thinking about. Rashada was recently out to Arkansas and it looked like for this one, this recruitment, it was Oregon, Miami and Ole Miss was kind of lurking in that recruitment um, for Rashada. And, And it doesn't look like he's super close to committing. He hasn't announced any top schools recently too recently um, but expect Oregon to get him back on campus. And then he has told me in the past that he's pretty confident that Oregon's going to get an official from him. So super important for Oregon to do well on that visit. Uh, a couple more guys that we could hit on here. Blake Nicholson is a four-star linebacker out of Manteca, California. He was recently on campus visiting Oregon back in March, and he ended up getting an offer he is an All American, Adidas All American Bowl invitee. So, you know that he's a very high caliber guy. So, he has announced that he'll be coming back to Oregon for the spring game. And then, a couple guys that I think they haven't said they're going to come, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did come. The, 20, the other 2023 commit that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Vita Pome. Uh, just helps that Oregon would be able to get him back on campus and just another peer recruiter that can help with some of these other 2023 guys you look at you know maybe him talking to Jaden Wayne fellow defensive lineman hey man let's team up that kind of a deal and Josh Connerly why wouldn't you want to get Josh Connerly back on campus he's a super high profile name and he is signed now so he hasn't said that he's going to be coming. I don't want to. I just want to make sure I'm making that perfectly clear. But if I'm the staff, I want to get Josh Connerly back on campus. Dave Yuley is on campus right now for a visit. He's another 2022 signee that has a ton of energy. So figures that those guys are going to be here, and then you can hopefully uh, kind of parlay that, like I said, with Tennessee, with some of these other commits, high-profile names. We'll be working all week to get uh, an accurate list of the expected spring visitors. Um, which you can probably expect to be pretty long because it's a huge event for Oregon. So definitely keep an eye out for that one over on Ducks Digest. Let's see here. Next question comes from Webfoot. Question is Do we know where Mace Funa is playing? The roster lists him as an outside linebacker, but he wasn't in the photos. It wasn't in the photo of all the linebackers that was recently posted. I also don't recall seeing his name on the list of 11 on 11 players during practice. So from what I can tell, Mace Spoon is playing the uh Sam linebacker position, you know, kind of that edge outside linebacker role that he's uh that he's been occupying on that Oregon defense since he got here. And I think with with Mace, he's an interesting one for me because he has that veteran experience. He's been at Oregon for a while, he's played in some big time games, but he was a really highly talented recruit. And I think it's reasonable to ask has he lived up to the expectations that come with his recruiting billing. I'm not saying he hasn't been doing well. I'm just saying, I think maybe myself and some other Oregon fans might be on the same page as maybe having expected a little bit more out of him. He was super athletic coming out of high school. Then he got banged up and put on a ton of weight. Uh, It looks like he's pretty cut up now as far as just his, his physical appearance. I think he's ready to, to kind of kick it into high gear. And I think that he's a, maybe one of these guys that has some more to prove this upcoming season in 2022. But as far as where he's playing, it looks like he's going to be playing in the same outside linebacker role that he's been playing. I think maybe that picture might've just, maybe it wasn't in the picture because we have linebackers and then we have edge guys and sometimes they can kind of get mixed up and um, it's a little hard to distinguish, you know, who's a true linebacker versus like an edge hybrid type of deal. So that's my answer for that one. Excited to see what Mace Funa can do in this Dan Lanning, Tosh Lepoy defense. You figured that LePoy is a guy who can maybe just squeeze a little extra out of out of Funa and then get him to take it up a notch like I was alluding to. So good questions. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ducks Just Podcast, and then we will continue, continue opening up the mailbag on the other side of the break. Stick around. Welcome back to the Ducks Just Podcast. We are doing a mailbag here Saturday, April 16th, 2022 coming to you from Eugene. Next question on today's podcast comes from Shark Duck. Interesting question here that I think a lot of people will probably be thinking as well. How does how many preferred walk-ons can Oregon take slash add to the team? How does that affect the total roster with scholarships? I think it's a very a very reasonable question to be asking right now because it seems like almost every other day, like for a while, Oregon was getting another preferred walk on commit in the twenty twenty two class. So these are very late additions. Connerly was obviously a super late addition, but any school in the country would have held a roster spot for a guy like that. But with the preferred walk ons, I like this because, as far as I know, there's not any limit right now because they're not scholarship guys. So it gives you some more roster flexibility and and you can, I would look at it as why not take a flyer on some of these, these players. Maybe some of them were fringe prospects at some of the, the bigger name schools uh, that, that uh, they were considering, but they're still high level players. And then maybe they get to Oregon and then they end up earning a scholarship. So I think those guys come as cliche as it sounds with a chip on their shoulder. And who knows if if someone's going to end up being able to be turned into a high-level contributor look at ryan walk who was a former walk-on and he was in the running for the top walk-on in the country last year the the name of that award is escaping me right now but i think that's a it's definitely a good idea to maybe i don't know if i'd say i take this many um but why why not that's kind of my whole idea here good example is is cole prussia from tualatin he was a wide receiver in the 2022 class and former gatorade player of the year for the 2020, 2021 season. 2020-2021 So he's a guy who was a former Princeton pledge. And I think there was some Oregon, there was an Oregon state uh, affiliation as well. So he was a a late addition, but certainly someone who plays at a high level um, with the, the Gatorade player of the year uh, distinction. And then there was another one that uh, that came to mind. I think it was Ellis Bynum out of central Catholic. Yep. He's a running back. And, um, not none not a I don't see any other offers here on his 247 sports profile listed at 59185 that Oregon running back room has a lot of bodies I, I know I talked about uh, Ronaldo Spivey, Spivey uh in the past on an episode of the podcast but I'm really liking that running back room Aaron Smith is, is another big guy uh, on that roster shout out San Jose he's a San Jose fellow San Jose native but Byron Carwell Noah Whittington and Sean dollars look like the biggest names to be aware of there. And then Jordan James, the 2022 running back signee for Oregon is expected to join the team in the summer. So just to kind of wrap up my answer here, I I don't think that it's, it's kind of curious that they got this many preferred walk-ons because, and I haven't mentioned all of them here, but I don't think I've really seen Oregon take this approach of adding that many guys that quickly. Um, But I I don't see much of a risk of of adding some preferred walk-ons that, that are probably pretty excited to, to have the chance to, to play for Oregon. Many of them coming from in-state. I think in one of the recent stories I was editing, I think it was four out of the top six or four out of the top seven top rated players in Oregon are going to be playing their college football in Eugene. So pretty, pretty good deal for Oregon. I think it's kind of a, a low risk, high reward, kind of a deal. Marcus Sanders quarterback uh, from Northern California is another guy in 2022 that the Ducks recently added after a visit So uh, kind of a cerebral guy from some of the people I've talked to. So he'll just hopefully help elevate that quarterback room once he gets to Oregon. All right, let's see what other couple more questions here um, to get on the mailbag. This next one comes from Mikey G, Mikey G another longtime supporter of the program. So shout out to Mikey G. He's always hopping in the live streams. I'm hopefully going to do some more live streams soon. But uh, my computer hasn't exactly given me the most confidence. If you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I've battled my technical issues. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I said something to, uh, you know, the the tech gods, the Apple gods. <laughs> I have a MacBook uh, that, that upset them. But either way, that's beside the point. Hopefully we'll do that more in the future. But Mikey G, question is, quote, a threefer. Having been around this new staff and team this spring, what has stood out the most? What player or players have noticeably improved? And then he has in parentheses, bulked up, more vocal, more intensity. What players have noticeably improved the most? And what has been the biggest surprise? So I'm going to try to take a hit, a swing at, at each of these questions, the best of my ability. And then uh, we'll just go from there. I think one of the things that has stood out the most to me after being around the players and the staff is the positional versatility. I think Dan Lanning, when he got to Oregon, obviously he wasn't here last season, so he kind of had to get a better feel for what he had to work with. And one of the ways he's done that and the staff has done that this spring is moving guys all around. Uh, We were talking to Triquez Bridges earlier today following the 11th spring practice. And he's a guy that's looks like he's moving more primarily back to his safety spot, which is what he was recruited to play. Uh, Oregon was pretty relatively thin at corner last year. I think they're really thin now uh, as far as a proven depth perspective, proven production, but they had him playing cornerback last year. And now with Dante Manning dinged up, they're going to need somebody to step up at corner for the remainder of the spring. I'm personally not expecting to see Dante play next weekend. Um, but it's just a spring game, so you don't really need to risk throwing out any any high level guys. But kind of with that position and versatility, it feels like after talking to Dan Lanning as much as we have, after talking to Tosh Lapoy, we got Matt Powellage the other day. It kind of feels to me like this is the staff that can get the most out of this defense. A couple of recent defensive coordinators, Andy Avalos, who's now at Ohio, sorry, Ohio State, at Boise State, excuse me, and then Tim DeRuter who has taken the job at Texas tech that, that 2019 defense was insane, but I feel like the talent has only continued to elevate the talent that has come into Oregon on the recruiting trail. And last year was, there were some head scratching moments on that defense where I mean, maybe it was cave dropping back in, into coverage uh, defensive backs, just playing super far off the ball. I know a lot of fans didn't like seeing that. I, I think that this, this staff has a lot of heavy hitters on it. That was what Junior Adams said today as far as like what attracted him to this Oregon job is it's a lot of heavy hitters, good football minds. Tosh LePoy is someone everyone's super excited about both on the field and as a recruiter. Dan Lanning has obviously achieved at the highest level in the sport coming off of a national championship with Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. So just listening to these guys talk, they're, they're obviously super smart. And then the way that they're moving guys around to see what fits best, especially in the secondary, because that's the the youngest group, in my opinion. Safeties, you have a pretty good mix of guys that have played a lot of football. Bennett Williams comes back. Jamal Hill also comes back. Steve Stevens, who we talked to today. He's looking like he's gonna he's expected to be 100% after being limited at various times in spring football. So he's been on campus for a while, and then moving Triquez back. Having all that length in the in the secondary, especially at the safety spot, is hopefully going to allow these guys to play a little bit more freely. Brian Addison is a, a 6'5 defensive back who played a little bit of corner from what I can recall last year, and now he's going to be looking like he's carving out more of a role at safety. So I think just moving guys around, uh, Demetrius Martin's talking about more cross-training uh, in in the secondary as far as working guys with the field and boundary cornerbacks. Definitely a lot of youth at corner but still plenty to be excited about. And that's probably the position I'm going to have other than the quarterbacks. That's probably the position I'm going to have my eye on the most in the spring game is, is what the corners, what, what do the corners have to show us about kind of where they're at, especially those younger guys, Jaleel Florence, who just got here, Avante Dickerson, guys like that. The second part of this question was what player or players have noticeably improved the most. I'm going to talk about what I've just seen physically with these guys while being at spring practice, Jeffrey bossa was all already in great shape, but it looks like he's booked up a little bit, put on some, some pounds, uh, hopefully filling out his frame a little bit. Cause it looks like he's going to be staying in that inside linebacker spot. Um, or maybe, maybe not inside linebacker. I, I need to double check what, which specific linebacker spot he's going to be playing, but he's going to be staying at linebacker for this year. Lanning talking about how he likes the physicality that he has. And he also has that speed to boot being a defensive back coming out of high school. So Jeff Bossa is just shredded. Dante Thornton, he's the one I think who kind of raised the most eyebrows when, when those pictures were dropping. Scott Bolt posted some photos from the earlier spring practices. He's someone who has put on some significant weight, it looks like. Uh, I think he said earlier this week it was, it was probably six to seven pounds of muscle, but he was also saying that some he thinks that he just shedded off some fat, but he was already really skinny just coming to Oregon. So I'm not sure how much fat there was to shed off in the first place, but Dante's in great shape. And, uh, you know, multiple players and coaches have talked about him stepping up into a leadership role with all the veteran departures. So he's a guy you have to watch out for um, in the spring game and and going forward in the next season because he's going to have a pretty significant role. Steve Stevens, who I mentioned earlier, looks like he's put on a little bit of weight and bulked up. Noah Whittington. Noah Whittington was someone I really honestly didn't really I hadn't heard of until the day he committed. And now that we've seen him in practice and seen him in person, he's another guy who's very, very uh, chiseled. (laughs) Maybe that's a good way to put it. Um, But with him being kind of a smaller back uh, in this running back room, I think he's listed at 5'10", I want to say, from his days at Western Kentucky. He seems like he's more of the quick-cutting, shifty back uh, right now for Oregon. And, And he looks like he really packs a punch. It's been fun watching him run at practice. Um, and then Carlos Lachlan and Dan Lanning have, have echoed those same sentiments about the physicality and him being a hard worker, just someone who really wants to learn the playbook and the, the playbook's been picked up pretty quickly by him from what he's relayed to us, uh, other reporters out there. Sam Taimani is another guy. Uh, we, we'd see him a little bit, obviously at Washington, but it's, it's hard to see how big someone actually is until they're standing right there in front of you. And, and that dude's every bit of, I think it's, three 320. It's it's tough because I'll admit we don't have the, the most up-to-date roster weights heights and weights I don't think we got that last year until fall camp maybe spring football so I don't really know when those updates are coming but Sam Taimani is a big dude and the Ducks have said that they think that he can be an anchor for that defensive line and, and they might need him to be depending on how healthy this defensive line particularly on the interior is looking by the time fall camp comes around, Keon, where Hudson, Brandon Doris, Popo Amavai, all been limited throughout spring practice. They haven't practiced really at all. Um, so that defensive line is going to be looking much different by the time that first game against Georgia rolls around. But it's important that these younger guys can can close the gap, is what Tony Tuioti was saying as far as these guys that are getting reps in place of the banged-up veterans. You got Jake Shipley, who's moved to the interior after coming to Oregon as more of an edge guy. Uh, Jonah Miller has moved to the defensive line as well. Suava Pody from St. John Bosco. He's another guy that that came with a fairly high billing to Oregon and saw some increased playing time last year. And the last guy that's kind of uh, noticeably improved, in my opinion, is DJ Johnson. He was injured a little bit last summer heading into fall camp, and we were kind of wondering where he was at. And then we saw him. And he was listed at, I think, 270. And that dude was super skinny at the time. I can't, some of the other reporters were saying, there's no way that guy's 270. But it looks like he's bulked up a little bit. And uh, his body is is a little bit more equipped for the full-time defensive role that it looks like he's going to be playing with Tosh LaFoy, working on the edge, working with the outside linebackers. I think both him and Braden Swinson are probably the top candidates to, to emerge as the, next, the team's next pass rusher. Brendan Dorlis is another guy that's capable of generating that, moving all over the, the defensive line rather, and man, it would be great if they could get some, some push from the interior defensive line as well. And then the last part of this question from Mikey G's threefer was, what has been the biggest surprise? And this one was hard. I had to think about it a little bit, and maybe I'll even change my answer after this, but the biggest surprise to me has been the intensity in the 11 on 11 periods, the fastball period, because if you guys have been following me for a while, I came out to Eugene um, when I went to grad school in July, 2020. And I think just a combination of the the COVID health and safety protocols and um, just the, the approach with media, we just didn't get to see, 11 on 11 when I was here. So you got to think, put yourself in my shoes for a second. When we got to see the 11 on 11 period, I was, I was kind of looking around I'm like, do they know we're still here? Like that the media is still here. Uh, and that was just super, super cool. Um, and the, when just to talk about what we've seen in the 11 on 11, just the intensity really, really up tempo. Uh, I think that's been something that stood out. We've seen a couple highlights. We saw Sean Dollar's big wheel route, For a touchdown, that was uh, spoken about a lot. Brian Addison had the one-hand interception um, a couple weeks ago of Ty Thompson after Jackson Powers Johnson batted that ball down at the line of scrimmage. I've seen Isaiah Crocker getting involved a lot in the receiving game. Byron Carwell is still running with a lot of physicality. Seeing him truck through a couple guys earlier this week. But Sean Dollars is the guy that I think I'm going to be watching very closely because we just – haven't gotten to see as much of him right and he was a top all-purpose back in the country coming out of modern day after transferring from rancho cucamonga so he's someone that has really been on a mission you know dylan rubenking had a story about him earlier this week over on ducks digest so plenty to be excited about with him and uh he's someone that we're gonna have to keep our eye on as we are still waiting to see what this Kenny Dillingham offense is going to look like. But with all the talent on the offensive line and then that running back room for Oregon, expect the backs to still be heavily involved, whether it be running the ball, blocking or, or just catching the ball out of the backfield. But that's all I got for you guys on this episode of the ducks, just podcast. Thank you so much to everybody that submitted questions. Um, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Sports at ducks dish. So you guys can catch up, the next mailbag get your question asked and hopefully answered on the podcast but thank you to everyone who tuned in whether you're tuning in on apple podcast spotify stitcher youtube however you guys are tuned in we greatly appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk ducks with us and we will be excited we are excited rather for the next episode of the podcast whatever that may be but I'm going to get out of here, you guys. Thank you so much for watching and listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Take care, sewed. 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 Take care, soed. Take care, soed. Take care, soed. Take care, sewed.